0: It's a time when we remember the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. And if you're watching or listening today, of course, that was not the end. Today is the third day. We're also remembering that Jesus' death brought us eternal life because he rose again on the third day and conquered death and sin. And there'll be a lot of scripture to read today because Jesus is the word and I think it's important that we have. scriptures so first of all John 3 16 and 17 just to remind us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved and then 1 John 1 6 to 10 we say that we have fellowship with him to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the great story, isn't it, that we have to celebrate today. But I'm going to start back at Good Friday. Jesus had come to Jerusalem for the Passover, the heart of the Jewish nation. And there were several components involved in this story. First of all, there were the Romans. They were the conquerors. They were the empire builders. They were the people good at suppressing brutally anything that stood against them. They worshipped many gods. They couldn't see a Jewish Messiah apart from a few in the stories that we read. And then there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious and political leaders wanting to maintain the status quo both in terms of the Jewish law and customs, but also politically to maintain their influence. They would have been a flea in the year Of the Romans. They couldn't see the true Messiah either, again apart from a few. And then there was a Jewish population looking for a Messiah to deliver them from Roman oppression. Seemingly swayed in their thinking very easily as the story of what happened leading up to Jesus death on a cross shows us. One minute they're greeting him, declaring him as King. Hosanna, the Messiah comes. Then they couldn't see him, crucify him, kill him. We want Barabbas. We want this man to come and save us. He's the true Messiah. Most of them couldn't see the true Messiah, again, apart from a few. Then there was Herod. He was the king over the Jews, a puppet of Rome, not wishing to upset any apple cart that would affect Here's rather delicate situation between the Romans, the Jews, and himself. And finally, we have Jesus. He was the true Messiah, but not in the generally accepted sense. Jews looked for a warrior on a horse who would lead them into freedom. Instead, they got a sacrificial lamb who rode humbly into Jerusalem on a donkey. He came fulfilling the law the Pharisees and the Sadducees followed. He came bringing peace and joy, not the war and the ugliness of the Romans. He came displaying true kingdom ways to the Jews, not Herod's earthly representation. He came with a new code which fulfilled all law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. For many in those categories, Calvary was an exercise in missing the point what they missed ironically was already foretold by prophets such as david isaiah zechariah and others for example even a man my close friend in whom i trusted who ate with my bread has lifted up his heel against me that's in psalm 41 It's where it depicts that judas betrays jesus and then men were astonished at him for his body was so disfigured even his form Beyond that of sons of men. That's in Isaiah chapter 52. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't resist. And then there's the very long scripture in Isaiah, which begins Surely he has borne our infirmities, carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten of god and afflicted he was wounded for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities and it goes on it's a compelling description of jesus death on a cross and ultimately if you read through it, his mission to save us so thank god that some did understand that for instance the leper some disabled people, demon-possessed people, prostitutes, tax collectors, Roman centurion, 11 special friends and people who followed after them. This was all necessary. The whole story of Good Friday was all necessary for us to be saved and forgiven or brought out of a lifestyle that would ultimately lead us nowhere. But is that it? Is that the end? Is that the whole point? No, it's not. More to the point is the fact that we also celebrate this Easter that on this third day, Jesus overcame death and rose again. It serves repeating, doesn't it, today? Something that we want to hear, that Jesus overcame death for us. And here we are, part of his kingdom. He rose again. He went to visit his followers to reassure them. He went on the Emmaus Road to reassure a couple of people who were totally confused about the events of the day. He went to a room where disciples were huddled, locked up, frightened about what might happen. He had breakfast by the sea. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us and for those who are being saved. So is that it? Was that the end? No, it's not. He had also promised that he would send his Holy Spirit and his disciples were told to wait. And they waited. And a while later, boom. I said I'd say that, Sally, didn't I? (laughs) Boom. The Holy Spirit came and filled them with boldness to declare the gospel. Good news of Jesus, death, life and resurrection. And the whole point of it all. Was that the whole point of it all? Is that this was the beginning of the church as we knew it? The 12 became 120, became 3,000 plus, became churches all around the world today in their millions. Along the way, the church has fought persecution, false teaching, wars, famine, disease, earthquake, the elements, and various other things, COVID 19. But it's surviving and thriving around our world. So the story is told, and we retell it, that Jesus is the point. And he's totally aware of our situations, whatever they are. And despite COVID-19 that's currently consuming people, families, business, and economies, the message is that he will always, always be with us. I know that sounds very twee, if you like, the promise, I will be with you sounds routine sounds like something we would take for granted but it's not to be skipped over it's the same promise that god has been making right throughout scripture he made it to isaac in the midst of a famine in genesis chapter 26 when he said don't go down to egypt live in the land that i'm going to give you dwell in the land and i will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants i give all these lands and i will perform the oath Which I swore to Abraham your father. And that's exactly what he did. And then there was Moses. Moses was out in the desert. He seemed a lost cause. And then God came to him through the burning bush. Moses wasn't so sure because God was asking a massive question of him. And Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign. And then God produced signs to confirm that he was going to be with him. And he said, I am who I am to him. And Moses went and performed amazing things for God. And then we move on into Isaiah 43, where Israel, are given the promise that they will eventually come home God says to them you are mine when you pass through the waters what does he say I will be with you and then we move into the New Testament to a young lady a young woman a teenager called Mary who was going to be the mother of Jesus what an immense situation she found herself in and what did God say to her to reassure you reassure her and having come in the angel said to her rejoice highly favoured one the lord is with you blessed among women are you and then last of all we see where jesus is returning to his father and he commissions them the same commission that we receive today jesus said to them all is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I don't know if you noticed something there, but in all those other scriptures leading up to this one, God said, I will be with you. And it's turned to i am with you jesus is with us so in our language the same phrase simply suggests that yes god is with us but the bible suggests something more it's that god is not just with us but he will make sure that things will work out it didn't necessarily mean that they or us Uh, wouldn't go through stuff in the process, you know, tunnels seemingly with no light. No, it didn't mean that. Whatever he is taking you or some of your family through right now, it's important to get this into your or their heart that he is not remote. Presence is something we need to cultivate in our relationship with him. The more we see him, the more we learn to trust that he has our best interests at heart. I don't know how long um, your or their tunnel might be, but he's not just the light at the end of it. He's right there with you in the dark as well. So bear that in mind. Let's remind ourselves that we see in the New Testament that the encourager is first Jesus, but he sends his Holy Spirit, the paraclete, para by the side and callio to call. I think that's right, Rosemary, isn't it? (laughs) It's used. He's an advocate. As Jesus promised, he is our helper. So I want you to to be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is a continuous and repetitive presence sent by Jesus to us. And we have to learn to listen to him in situations we find ourselves in. He is with us. Okay, so that brings us to what is the point right now? Well, the point right now is that we're going through An unprecedented situation. It's a unique situation for me. It's really weird having to sit in front of a screen and uh, and speak to people. I don't don't feel like a television evangelist, but I'm not. (laughs) Um, But I just want to read from the message, Hebrews 12. If you want to turn that up, if you happen to have the message, turn it up. It's the chapter just after all the heroes Of faith have been listed. All those people famous for what they did, what they achieved in God's name, humbly performing the will of God, not expecting perhaps at times that they would be able to fulfill those things. But then it goes on to chapter 12. And this I find this interesting. Starting at verse one, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it strip down start running and never quit no extra spiritual fat no parasitic sins keep your eyes on jesus who both began and finished this race we're in study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with god he could put up with anything along the way cross shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. And I like this verse. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item, that long lit- litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline in your souls. That's why we're here today, isn't it? To have adrenaline shot in our souls through the resurrected Jesus. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children? Is that true today? (laughs) And that God regards you as his children. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training. I don't know about you. you know, I find this encouraging in, in, in what we're in today, in what we're facing. The way this, uh, this chapter is unfolding here. It's a great encouragement to me. I don't know about you. Um, I'll leave you to read the rest of that um, I'll go down a bit further for myself and I'll start around about verse 25 which says, so don't turn a deaf ear to those gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations this time. He told us quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful... Brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. Now we're in our uh, house church. We were sort of weighing uh, a prophetic word about uh, the lights that that God. Um, is is revealing. I'll leave that. Perhaps Sally might share something of that um, a bit later. But I just thought that was interesting that that verse came along. She'll explain what I mean there. So our world is being shaken to the core. In the midst of this, we have the opportunity to bring some light in the darkness, to bring comfort, to bring encouragement. And I'm sure you know you've got neighbours. You've been doing that. You've been reaching out. You've got friends. You've been phoning family, all this sort of thing. We're we're in touch with people. We may be separate, but we can be together in this way. We can be an encouragement, we can be a comfort to others. He's the king of the unshakable kingdom and he's not an indifferent bystander and nor should we be. Uh one more thing to emphasize um I think that's really important and we're gonna we're gonna do it later is the breaking of bread. Communion means to share in, to participate in, to be part of, to have fellowship, etc. Our word community comes for it. So when we break bread, we're sharing in the body and the blood of Christ. But what does that actually mean? It's better understood in the wider context of the Bible. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, says John in chapter six. It doesn't mean that the bread and the cup. Are the physical body and blood of Christ of course not in fact the scripture isn't directly talking about breaking bread at all Jesus is speaking figuratively in the context he was saying your ancestors ate manna something supernatural that came down from heaven they ate it and it sustained their lives but in the end they died anyway I am the real bread of life I am the supernatural I came from heaven if you partake of me I will sustain your lives in a way that means you never die. That's a great reassurance. So when we break bread, we must partake of Jesus. We must come to him and accept what he has to offer. When we eat something, we take it in and become, it becomes part with us. This is what Jesus is asking us to do, to hunger for him, to come to him and say, Jesus, be a part of me and my life. This is an act of communion. When we pray, it's an act of communion. When we read the Bible or worship, what we've done already, it's an act of communion. What better time to ask Jesus to feed our hunger and sustain us than when we eat bread? What better time to drink of the Spirit of God than when we take the cup? So, what's the point? The point is Jesus. He's the focal point of every day, especially today. He's the master of every situation. He sent his spirit to help and embolden us. So let this special weekend be a sprinkle for us in deepening our relationship with him. He's worth it. For today we can declare that Jesus is alive. Amen. I can't hear you say that, but I know you're saying it. (laughs) Just to finish, the very last thing. In John chapter 20, Mary... Magdalene, who was a sinful woman in the terms of the Pharisees, but she was redeemed. She was saved. She was loved by Jesus, and she loved Jesus, and she wanted to know um, what had happened to him. She went to the tomb, and there were two angels sitting where Jesus had been put in the tomb. And... uh, She was mystified by that. And then this guy behind her starts to talk to her. And eventually um, she recognises him when he says to her, Mary. I just want you to think today that Jesus says to you today, John, Jane, Peter, Caroline, Sally, Rosemary, Emma and all the rest of you. Elaine, and he wants you to recognise him and know his love today. What an intimate expression that was. Amen. done. Amen. Thank you, John.